It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Welcome to the table. My name is Jason Squires. I am the director of mentorship for Worship Leader Magazine, and I could not be more excited to launch this podcast today, episode one, um, and we hope to bring you so many more conversations over the coming months about leading worship and the struggles that worship leaders face. Um, I myself have been a worship leader for many years, and today's conversation is with none other than Rory Noland. Rory wrote a book called Heart of the Artist um, 22 years ago, um, and I, it was a book that launched me into ministry, and to, we're going to talk about that book today. We're going to talk about his new book, um, and we're going to talk about a lot, of, a lot of things about his ministry and life. Um, let's check it out. This is an interview with Rory Noland. Awesome. How, hello, Rory. Hi, Thank Jason. You. Thanks you for joining today? us. This is our first episode of, of The Table. Um, our podcast is just conversations with worship leaders, conversations, uh, getting, to know, getting to know worship leaders and having the, the conversations, the hard conversations, the fun conversations. Um, but just the goal in, in our podcast is just to um, have, have these conversations. And so I, uh, we're launching this podcast today, which I'm excited about, episode number one, and Rory Noland is episode number one, which I'm, hey, so can you tell us, uh, for those of us who don't know, those people who don't know anything about you or where you're coming from, tell us about you. Well, first of all, I'm honored to be at your, your first uh, broadcast here. Um, I've spent most of my life in uh, church work in, in the area of music and worship and uh, mostly in mega church kind of settings. And uh, so in especially doing like contemporary music as well in contemporary worship. Um, so I've had experience leading worship. Uh, I'm a songwriter, I'm a musician myself and, and a leader, you know, built ministries. And uh, I also write books and mentor worship leaders one-on-one -on -one, uh, through my ministry after working um, for, for, like I said, like 34 years in ministry, I stepped off a church staff to uh, start a ministry called the Heart of the Artist, and the mission of which is to serve artists in the church. So that's kind of what I'm about these days. That's amazing. And I, um, I will tell you, I, your book, Heart of the Artist, I read it as when I was first starting out leading worship and um, to imagine myself here uh, now interviewing the author of Heart of the Artist, like that book was so pivotal in me launching as a worship leader. Um, it was so pivotal in the beginning of my ministry. Um, any, and when I was in college, it was a, literally a textbook in one of my classes. I mean, it was like that book has been done so much. Um, and then now you have a new revised edition. Tell us about that. 
Well, I was very grateful for the opportunity to revise it. It's kind of like the 20th or the 22nd year anniversary because it came out <laughs> two years after the 22 project. years. Wow. Yeah. But it gave me an opportunity to add some things that I've been teaching since I wrote the book, kind of uh, some additional material. And I also got an opportunity to update a lot of the scenarios and uh, they, reflected the way, they reflected the way that we did worship back in the 80s. And uh, so it does a little embarrassing sometimes, but uh, yeah, I felt like I completely updated, revised it and added some things. So. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then we're, you have a new book that just came out. We're going to talk about here in a little bit, but um, I want to jump into kind of the, the content of today's podcast. Uh, we're talking about ministry and length, people that have been in ministry for a long time. Uh, you know, burnout is such a big deal. We're coming out of COVID right now where just ministry has been so different. And, you know, church was church work was, I mean, we were a lot of worship leaders and people on staff were running 24 seven to do like, I mean, it was like twice as much work to do half the amount of, I mean, it was the, the amount of work that was happening and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to jump in to talk about like ministry's hard. You've been at it for a while. Like talk, talk to us about like self-care. Like what, 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 what have you done to kind of take care of yourself? And what have you done to, um, to really like make sure that you are the best version of you as you, as you go in and out of um, the different scenarios? It's a big yeah. question. It's a big question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you're so right about it being difficult, Jason. If it was easy, you know, anybody could do it. I think it's the hardest, I know I'm, I'm biased, but I think it's the hardest job in the church uh, yep. because we're working with volunteers. Uh, you know, that that's difficult in itself. And so we, every week we have to amass this army of, of people to help lead and they have to be, they have to have specific skills too. And we can't just take anybody, uh, you know, all the time. So anyways, um, I, you know, to your question though, uh, I love the way Proverbs, I think it's 423 puts it, um, it says, guard your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. And I love that, especially for those of us who are artists and worship leaders, uh, because uh, so much of what we do comes and wells up from deep inside us in our heart. And, you know, the ancient Hebrews did not compartmentalize, oh, your heart is just your emotions, you know, uh, the heart, the, the Hebrew word is lave. You know, it's it's your it's the seat of your desires and you know the, the the seat of your willpower and so it's kind of a very holistic kind of view of a person, and but it's saying to guard that you know and protect that. So when it comes to self care, you know some of the obvious things about you know taking care of yourself physically, taking care of yourself spiritually as as well, and uh, you know making that's more than just reading your Bible. Uh, that means pay attention to what God's doing in your life. And uh, I, I'm very, I, I always tell young worship leaders that, you know, working for a church and leading worship will grow you up faster than anything. Uh, just, so you, true. you won't last long if you're, I mean, I, you know, I, I shudder to think the way I was, you know, in my, my early days, you know, I was, I was insecure. I was perfectionistic. Um, I was defensive. You know, I, I was angry, and, and that was me on a good day. You know, it's like holy God, I definitely had my issues. But you know what? They all came to the fore. You know, in conflicts with people, my volunteers, and con conflicts conflicts with staff, my pastor. 
And I had some serious growing up to do. And so it's tempting sometimes to get defensive and go, what's wrong with these people? And (laughs) that's what I I did. More often than not, I was the problem, you know? (laughs) Everywhere I go, I don't like the people. Wait a minute, that's right. (laughs) Everywhere you go, there you are. There you are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's me again. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. So it's like, so pay attention to what God is doing you. He who began this good work in you, you know, that you grow to be, you know, the, you know, the godly character, the, the godly artist that God has called you to be. And uh, whatever that takes, you know, uh, be about that. Don't neglect your soul, uh, you know, your life. And that, that's what I like about the, you know, the concept of spiritual transformation is that, be a person who's continually growing in the Lord and growing as a person. Um, and that also includes taking care of your, paying attention to your artistic side. You know, mm. don't let, uh, you know, a lot of times we as leaders, uh, that's the thing that falls off the, off the tables. We're so busy helping others, you know, helping our volunteers take the next step musically and, you know, artistically and everything. Yep. You know, and then we we don't practice anymore, or we let our guitar chops or vo- our vocal chops, um, you know, fall or slide away, or we don't write songs anymore, you know. And you know, when when it says guard your heart with all vigilance, you know, yeah, guard that part of you too, because that's probably the thing that got you into worship leading in the first place. The uh, the other thing I would I would say too is uh, pay attention to the seasons and be be open to uh, to change in fact right now just make a commitment to embrace change <laughs> because uh it felt like every five to seven years my job description got tweaked somehow and um <laughs> and my knee-jerk reaction so often was i don't like this the, you know things are changing what's going on around here you know <laughs> And sometimes it felt threatening. Yeah. Well, you know what? When you're in a church, and especially if it's a growing church, a growing ministry, there's going to be changes. And be open to those changes. Um, right now, as I'm mentoring a lot of guys, like in their 40s, they start, got a lot of guys and gals, they start wondering, it's like, oh, they, they see the, the, the young 20-year-olds, they, they're up and coming, and they're like, oh, <laughs> what, what do I do? Does this mean I'm done, you know? And um, you know, not necessarily, and uh, just be courageous about walking through the different seasons. Be open to the new things that God is doing. And uh, one of the things that I've always, you know, coached uh, worship leaders through, especially as they as they go through these changes, is pay attention to what God's doing in you and to your passions. What are you passionate about? And let let your you know let your passions kind of. <laughs> you know, lead you into that, into that next thing, whatever the thing is. And, uh, you know, it may be you, you stay at your church. It doesn't always mean you have to leave your church, but it may mean some changes and that's okay. That you, there was uh, wow. Yes, that. And um, like, I, um, what would you say to the, the man or the guy or gal that's like on the brink of burnout or um, in a space where they're like, I, I don't know if ministry is my thing anymore. And then have you have you been there before? You know, where you kind of sit back and go, like, what do I is am I am I dealing with burnout or am I dealing with ministry shifting? Am I dealing with 
a new calling? Like, what is, what would you say to that, to that person right now that might be listening right now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this uh, this great question, Jason, because it comes up so often. Uh, worship leader comes to me, and and yeah, they're burned out. And so, one of the first things we do is is try to understand how did you get here. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's simple: you haven't taken a vacation. It's like <laughs> you know, it's like you know the church has given you two weeks of vacation, and you haven't taken it. How come? What you know? What's what's wrong there? What's going? Well, I can't leave. And it's like, well, that, that that's a problem. That's and sometimes it's as simple as that. Uh, sometimes there's just serious um, conflict and the person is just beat up, you know, just, and just sometimes it's just weary. And, uh, you know, they haven't been off the platform, you know, in weeks or months. And, uh, you know, that's part of self-care too. So that's one of the first things that we look at is, uh, you know, how did you get here? And and what what is it, uh, what is it telling you? Is it telling you, the problem again is you, you know, you, you need to, you need to take care of yourself or, you know, is God really doing something in you that uh, you need to pay attention to? Because one of the questions that always comes up is, is, am I done here? Do I leave? You know? And um, so if, if that question gets on the table, it's like, okay, why are you leaving? <laughs> yeah. Be really clear. You know, nine times out of 10, um, a person is leaving for reasons that are not from the Lord. <laughs> they're not really, they're not hearing from God. Uh, maybe there's some conflict that they can't see a way out of it. And so it kind of feels like they're stuck and hopeless and this thing will never change, you know. Yep. And okay, let's talk about that. Let's work through that. And, uh, you know, if you if you leave, um, you know, because of some conflict, your chances are you might experience that same conflict someplace else. So this, again, is why we talk about what is God doing in you? And if you if you work on this thing, uh, you know, and find a way through this, you may realize that, you know, God wants you to stay. and You've learned something very valuable uh, in this whole deal. Um, so sometimes there's frustration. Let's talk through that. What, what's behind that? Um, but I would seriously you know, caution, you know, somebody, you know, don't necessarily feel like you have to work this out by yourself. It's much harder to work it out by yourself. Uh, you know, get with God, you know, get with somebody who you can, you can really talk to and trust. Um, I, I have, <laughs> I think I've written probably about 10 resignation letters over the course of my <laughs> life. You know, it's like, I'm done. I resign, you know, but uh, <laughs> You know, and, but I, you know, I would write them and then I would pray over them. And, uh, you know, I would definitely get with somebody with the Lord before I would send it. And, you know, like I said, most of the time it was like written out of frustration or anger. And um, God was not telling me to leave. If you, if you leave, make sure God's the one who's telling you to leave and that you're not leaving because of some other reason that um, is, is, has more to do uh, with, with conflict or uh, just your own frustration or lack of self-care. Amazing. Yeah. The, and thinking through some of those thoughts, um, I, <clears throat> I know in ministry, it's hard to have, it's hard to like go to your senior pastor because in most instances, that's your boss. And, um, and, and say like, I, I'm, I'm feeling this burnout you might feel this like tension of going, I don't know if I can have those conversations or people in the church, even that you go, that you're friends with, 
have the conversations like we're in this position of like who do I talk to do you do you have like a, a group of people around you that's kind of like you know a third party if you will or like a group of people of I mean who's who is who does Rory go and talk to like when it's like those kind of conversations or those yeah. hard conversations um like what what did that look like for you in ministry yeah well it's a very small circle and because for the reasons that you just stated it's like it's hard to talk to my pastor and to the people in the church I and my volunteers I don't want to even though I'm close to them I don't want to poison their view of the church you know if I say something that I'm struggling with you know and I, I get that but uh, my my best friend uh, you know, from college, he, he's uh, we've stayed in touch. Uh, we don't live uh, close to each other uh, anymore, but uh, we still. I was just talking with him this week, and he's my confessor, my confidant. Uh, you know, he's he's my best friend. Yep. So he's somebody I talk to. It's kind of sad to me that a lot of worship leaders do not have a best friend or a confidant. And uh, I know this is where I kind of fill that role to some extent as a mentor, and and uh, you know for some people that that's great, but I also do encourage you know have some kind of uh, you know find a friend, uh, find a, a Jonathan in your life. Like David had Jonathan, you know, and you know iron sharpens iron, and uh, you know find find somebody in your life that you can confide in. Ah, it's so true. Um, now jump in just a little bit, like dealing with some of these things and take, taking care of yourself and you have a, you have a family like what how does family I mean and ministry kind of coincide together like it's it is really easy to it's really easy sometimes to find yourself putting ministry over your over your family and making decisions based on the church versus like what's happening at home like how how did you I mean you talked about vacations and like making that time kind of for family, like what did that look like in, in as you were doing ministry, family yeah. and like the family life? Yeah, well, it forced us to make some very strategic decisions because I was in a church where uh, I was out uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night were rehearsals, Thursday night was midweek service. So right, bingo, you know, I, I was out evenings too. Yep. Uh, we had Saturday and Saturday night and Sunday services. And so I had to really make uh, some very intentional moves to make sure that I, I was there for as many games as I could be at and, uh, you know, helped coaches uh, as well. I did two boys and, uh, you know, and just be, be present also, you know, with, to not only just be there physically, but be present and, and be active, you know, in, in their lives. And, um, you know, sometimes, I think we try to make it black and white. This is church and this is, you know, <laughs> my family, but you know, that's not how life is. And, uh, you know, it's okay to bring my kids to rehearsal and uh, have them see what I do. And, uh, you know, it's okay to have them involved at church. It's not like they're two separate worlds. And so sometimes it's, you know, I do talk about church at home, <laughs> you know, yep. you, know you, you can't, uh, uh, you, you know, you can't avoid that. Uh, but I think you just try to be there and, of course, uh, make sure your marriage, um, you know, may, this means you work through stuff and uh, you you make sure that, I mean, the best, somebody told me once, the best thing you can do for your sons is to love your wife. And that is so true. Um, you know, you just need to cultivate healthy, whether that means date night or, or regular time with your, with your wife. Um, and I think, you know, especially, you know, we need to take initiative with that at home. 
and make sure we're worship leaders in the home. And um, I mean, one small thing, I, I really, you know, praying before meals, you know, uh, I never wanted that to be kind of like a perfunctory ritual that my kids would grow up hearing dad say the same thing, you know, or how I lay me down to sleep, you yep. know. And so, um, you know, being a worship leader, being really into worship, what I began to do was to just make sure every time I pray, just cite an attribute of God and uh, just make sure that, you know, that because the attributes of God are kind of the basis of, of our worship, you know, we glorify God for who he is and what he has done. And so, uh, you know, God, thank you for, and maybe even think of an instance that, you know, thank you for, for your grace, because we, we saw it, you know, with, with somebody who, who, who gave us, uh, I mean, somebody gave us a TV one time, you know, who gave us a TV, this family, or this family, another family in the church paid for us to have this vacation. God, thank you for your grace. And, mm. you know, look for ways to work in uh, praise and gratitude in your mealtime prayers. That's amazing. Yeah. The, um, um, I love that. Like I, I have, I have three daughters. I have a nine-year-old, um, who regularly tell in, in like two and a half weeks, she's going to be 10. So I have like, we're have the, I have the double digits is coming and, and then I have twin seven-year-olds and all, all girls. And so it's a, um, I understand that like the, the, the prayer time, the try to get those, try to find those, those moments to not, it's easy to gloss over those and, everybody sits down and the food's in front of you and you just, and you just dive into, you just dive into eating because we're all hungry and um, you want to want to move on to the next thing, but being intentional. It's, it's, um, now we're living in a time uh, where, where everyone's accessible all the time. And like, it's, I mean, you can ease any, anytime, I mean, check in your email on your phone and like anybody can get a hold of you at any time of the day, which is never, it's a, it's a time of ministry where I feel like burnout is a big thing and making sure that um, like making sure that you're being intentional is even harder when it's really easy to pull up your phone. And I mean, you can be on the planning center app and you can be on, you know, emails and Facebook and, you know, all the social media at any time of the day, rather than just sitting at your computer and, and at your, at your desk or at your office. Um, what, what would you say to that person? Like that's, Kind of going through that because I know I I battle that and I, I battle that. It's very easy to have my my kids looking at the backside of my phone and because it's I mean it's just there and it's you know and for some reason it feels like it's important to check those kind of things. But like, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people talking these days about the um, some of the negative effects of the um, uh, of social media and our our addiction to our phones. Um, so I'm just going to kind of look at it from a spirit, spiritual perspective, because um, I think what we're struggling with, with social media is, first of all, social media can be very draining. <laughs> you can drain your, drain your energy. And I think one of the, the biggest dangers of it, too, I, I, I feel this in my own spirit, and I feel this with I'm, when I'm with people, too, is it really... Um, um, inhibits our ability to be fully present to each other, you know, especially as a family. And as long as, you know, we got that phone, if you, you and I go out for coffee and that we put our phones right on the table there and, you know, and then it buzzes or beeps and it's like, oh, we, we look at it. 
all of a sudden we're interrupted and there's there's an you know uninvited guest here who's part of our conversation here it's like sat down at the table with us <laughs> yeah and you know um there's we do that with god too we're so easily distracted and uh so we need to exercise a little bit more moderation and uh you know be be willing to tear away from from our phones uh, you know, when I was growing up, we were addicted to TV, you know, we had to tear ourselves away from TV. So it's kind of very similar, you know, yep. it's, it's like, uh, you know, we do this to God, too. It's like so hard to concentrate and be present to God. And uh, I start all my meetings, all my mentoring and, sp and spiritual direction meetings with just a little bit of silence. And I invite who's ever I'm meeting with, you know, let's let's make ourselves present. Let's let's be quiet and make ourselves present to the God who is present to us. And uh, you know, God goes out of His way to be present to us. He He doesn't send a memo. He doesn't send a text. <laughs> He's present, and He even sent His Son Jesus to be present with us and in communion. You know, to still be present. That's all the whole deal. Is present. So, so I think being present is kind of important to God. That's... And, uh, <laughs> it's like, so, you know, we need to be more intentional, I think, about being present. I, I think that is part of the longevity, too, because, you know, when you're present, it's life-giving. And it's, it's just, it, you know, you impart life to people, too, when you're, when you're present, when you're fully present. And that's kind of one of my goals these days is to be fully present uh, in my relationships and when I'm with people and when I'm with God. I sensing a theme of intentionality and in the things that you're you're talking about here, and I, I love that. Um, let's let's speaking of being intentional, let's talk about your new book. Like your new book, Transforming Worship, is I feel like a lot about intentionality in what you're doing and in ministry. And like I, if you guys have not read this book yet. I highly, highly recommend taking it, picking it up, reading it with your senior pastor, like reading it as a staff, understanding, uh, understanding, understanding like why we do what we do, being intentional. But let's talk about your book. Um, like what, tell us about like, kind of give us the, um, oh, actually first, what what prompted you to write this book? Mm -hmm. Like we, you and I talked about, it, it's kind of been welling up inside of you for a while, but like what prompted you to like pull the trigger and and kind of and 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 write this book well my two biggest passions in life are worship and spiritual direction or spiritual formation and so this was an opportunity to put those two things together and uh while writing this book uh i was really driven by two overarching questions what would it look like to conceive of gathered worship as if spiritual formation mattered and how would that affect the way that we plan and lead worship services so you might say I was compelled to write the book. Its content, yes, has been stirring in me for quite some time. Yep. What um, that that subtitle, P.S. is probably my favorite subtitle on on any book I've ever read. Um, just because I picked it up and read the subtitle and was like, I ha I have to read this. Like leading worship as if spiritual formation mattered. Like I, you, how do you? That's just such a good like you had to know that you were going to turn some heads with that one. That was not just, it wasn't just a, like, this is a good idea. Like you had to know people were going to go, wait, what? Like that, that's a good, that's such a good statement and phrase. And, but like, so talk to us about, give us kind of the synopsis of the book. Like what, where are you, where'd you go with it? And yeah. Well, first of all, I, I define early in the book, I, def, I define transforming worship as a communal experience 
that combines classic spiritual practices uh, uh, with a formative encounter with God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. So notice, first of all, that it's communal. It's something we do in the presence of others or with others. And it is experiential. It's not just some cognitive, you know, <laughs> uh, encounter. It's 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 an experience, and it's also highly participatory. Uh, it draws from traditional Christian disciplines such as prayer, scripture reading, and confession, the Lord's Supper, and baptism. And the assumption here is that every major part of the service, not just the sermon, can be spiritually formative. Mm. And so. At the heart of this wonderful experience, this, this thing we do every week called church, is a life-changing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in, in the, the first part of the book, what I do is kind of I lay the biblical foundation for it and also the historical precedents. And uh, I'm really not advocating like a new approach. I'm calling the church to rediscover what the early church knew, you know, is that, you know, the, the uh, Sunday gathering was meant to be spiritually formative, and uh, it was meant to edify believers, and, you know, and evangelize unbelievers, but, you know, in a way as well, but to first and foremost uh, edify believers. And so, um, you know, the, the first part kind of lays the foundation, and I feel in some ways like I'm trying to offer um, a vision for what worship uh, could be, you know, now and in the future, uh, that is really uh, a rediscovery of uh, what we see in the New Testament church. Yes, all, all of that. I, um, my, uh, when I picked up the book, I, <laughs> this is not, this is, there's a lot of big words in the book. I got to put that out there. There's a lot of like it. I started, I found myself reading sometimes early in the morning and um, I, I picked it up and started reading and my brain was like, I, I need to not read this at 6 a.m. Like I need to, I need to have some coffee and like, because sometimes some books you read where it's more like, it's more, uh, you know, like it's, it's a little bit lighter and fluffier where you can kind of like process through some things. But like, this is a book that for me, I, I needed to like, really dive into it and take it take it a lot slower than um i have read some other books but like i did that and by doing that i think the um understanding so much more about i mean i'm even i've been looking at some of the worship services that i'm now involved planning in and going oh my gosh we have missed the mark like we are missing we are missing you like you talked about the different parts of the service and how we've taken out some of them and um, like being intentional about why we do what we do and not just leading worship because we checked a box that this Sunday came and, and then we move on to the next Sunday and um, not realizing that this Sunday matters and making sure that we are intentional about doing what it is that we're doing um, here in this, on that, on that, uh, in that space. So I love it. Yeah, well, that's my hope, uh, Jason, is that it would uh, cause leaders, pastors and worship leaders to, to think. And, uh, you know, maybe to even even ask some some difficult questions, yep. um, but but ask, uh, you know, some really penetrating questions as well, some important questions. Uh, yes. Now, um, what so this podcast is called The Table. The Table in the, 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 the idea here is that we are just um, we are have like it's it's sitting down and it's it's dialogues. It's um, people are uh, we're opening up conversations. Now I'm a firm believer that that happens over food. 
Like it, and where, so if I was to sit down with Rory Noland, what, if like, if I came over to your house and we were to sit down for a meal, what, what is it that you make? What, what is it that you are like, are you like, what kind of food is Rory Nolan having for dinner on a regular basis? Well, Jason, if, if you were over for dinner too, I would just, I think we'd cook up, so we'd throw some steaks on the grill yep. and, um, you know, have a good salad um, and just enjoy that, you know, steak and salad. Oh, that sounds fantastic. You, now you, um, in your book, talked about becoming a recent connoisseur of coffee. Yes. Talk to, talk to us about that. That's, that's, a, that's, I was enjoying that part of it that you didn't, you didn't like it until you had coffee properly. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I always liked the smell of coffee, but the taste was like, yeah, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I was with a worship leader friend in Omaha and he took me to this really upscale coffee place. Uh, Omaha is a great little coffee city. And, um, and, you know, I was, he, he said, well, you know, let's, let's go ahead and order. And, uh, and I, I said, uh, well, I'll just, maybe I'll get some tea or something like that. Cause I really don't drink coffee. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's funny. Like he takes me. He's like, this, and you've been in ministry how long? I don't know. <laughs> he takes me to this upscale coffee place. It's like going to a great steakhouse and go, you know, I think I like chicken. <laughs> like, so anyways, uh, so he says, oh, let me order for you. Oh. And so he orders us, um, you know, this this coffee. I learned later it was it was brewed uh, by the process of Chemex. Okay. And, uh, it was uh, you know, uh, single origin, you know, coffee beans and everything. They were ground right there, and I think they were even roasted right there as well. It comes in this beaker. It looks like a science experiment, <laughs> you know. And it's on. Uh, you know, they don't set it down, right? They put it on this nice piece of wood, you know, put it in front of me, like, whoa, you know. And I, I tasted it and it was like, oh my gosh, is, is this how, what coffee is supposed to taste like? And for the next 40 minutes, I got the lecture on why Americans drink burnt coffee and you need, <laughs> you need to brew your own AeroPress or Chemex or something like that, you know. I learned all of that. And so, yeah, I, after that, I was hooked. So, yeah. so are you making coffee now every morning or are you? Are yeah. You just... Well, yeah, I either do an AeroPress or I do a, a, a kind of a drip uh, cold brew that I, you know, put in the fridge and then, you know, bring it out and, you know, put it in the, in the microwave. So, yeah, That's definitely amazing. a slow drip kind of guy. That's amazing. Well, Rory, tell us how we can connect with you, like, and, and, and moving forward, like your website and, where where we can get your books at like what if i'm just jumping in like what 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 do we do here uh, yeah my books are available you know wherever you buy books on on amazon if you just google me you you can find me on amazon they list all my books there um, my website is uh, heartoftheartist.org and so it's pretty easy to find I imagine if you Google my name to you, that might take you to um, the website as well. But www.heartoftheartist.org uh, is my website. And um, yeah, I've got some things in there. Every day I post uh, what I call a daily praise offering. And uh, it's it's an expression of worship because I believe worship is something, you know, we, we got to say, we got to express. And uh, it's based on scripture and it usually has an attribute of God in there as well. And uh, so, and if you if you want that sent to you every day, you can hit subscribe and have that sent to you. That that's how I start my day. 
and uh, I know a lot, lot of people do too, just, just telling God, uh, it's just a short Bible verse. And um, so that's on there as well as some of the other things that uh, I offer as far as mentoring, spiritual direction, speaking. That's amazing. Well, Rory, I appreciate you being our first episode of the Table and this, the, launching this podcast with us. Um, we're excited to have these conversations and uh, you know, you're, you're a, you're a, you're a lifelong member of the worship leader family. And we just, we cannot value your, uh, your input and your, your thoughts and your, um, just what you bring to the table, uh, more, I mean, you just, you bring so much to the, to these conversations and the knowledge and the, the, uh, just the, the wisdom that you bring is, uh, I just think everybody, everybody needs to pick up these books and everybody, everybody needs to know Rory Noland and just the, um, what, what, the years of ministry have brought to this conversation is not is not an accident and it's not uh it's definitely it's definitely on purpose and it's there's definitely a purpose to this and so uh, make sure you guys check out his stuff and uh please you know heart of the artist you said heart of the artist dot org dot org heart of the artist dot org yeah. yeah awesome thanks, yeah, well, thanks jason i've enjoyed it and uh, i hope it's been helpful to uh all of our listeners and uh Looking forward to you coming over for that steak. It's going to happen. <laughs> well, good, man. God bless. God bless you guys. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Hey, would you do us a favor and like or subscribe to the podcast as well as leave us a review? Um, we just we would really appreciate that. And also check us out on Instagram at Worship Leader Podcast as well as at Worship Leader. You can follow me at Jason underscore Squires. Uh, we are gonna. Um, we're looking forward to next week, and we will see you guys then.